Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Well, friends, uh, I'm really excited to come and chat with you this morning. I want to talk about a really controversial word, a word that, to be honest, is not something you throw around too much. It's a word that if you mention it in some classrooms, you might get kicked out of the classroom. Uh, If a politician mentions this word um, on the camera, then they might get hauled across coals or, or, you know, punished for even thinking of it. It's not a word you bring up at a dinner party or in social settings. It's it's the F word. And I think we all know what I mean by the F word. The, The F word that's offensive. It's not culturally appropriate. And sometimes it might not even be appropriate to say in church. Yes, friends, I'm talking about faith. Why, what, what F word were you thinking of? And in case that joke completely bombed and you knew exactly what I was doing there, I still think I started that way for a reason, not just for cheap laughs, because is not faith something that is being pushed to the margin of our society? Can you imagine uh, if ScoMo hopped up today and once again declared that he was a man of faith, what the headlines would read? If any of us enters into a conversation with someone and brings up faith, it's one of the two taboo topics, right? Politics and faith. You don't talk about that in polite conversation. But here's the problem. As faith is pushed to the margin of our social thinking, we have to recognize it is central still to who we are as Christians. And if we don't know what faith is, if we aren't talking about faith, then friends, we're in a problematic situation. Why? Because I believe that without faith, you cannot follow Jesus. Without faith, you cannot follow Jesus. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Do you see what the Bible says there? It doesn't say without faith. There are some other options. You, you, you know, you could sacrifice an animal or you could bring a really cool gift. No, no, no. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God, which leaves us in a really, really interesting situation. Do you have faith? Do you know what faith is? What is faith? And to understand this, uh, I want to let you know a really beautiful story that if you've seen the Alpha series, it's dominant in the Alpha series, but challenges me, but paints a beautiful picture of faith. And I want to say, tell you this story because friends, faith can't be peripheral for us. It is central to living the everyday, supernatural, powerful, filled, impacting life of a Christian. And right now in this season, our world needs a people of faith more than it knows. There's this great story of a man named Charles Blunden. And Charles Blunden was uh, one of these daredevils. And back in 1860, he was one of the world's most famous tightrope walkers, which means that he used to uh, stretch a wire between two destinations and walk across this distance. And in 1860, he decided to walk across the Niagara Falls. Now, Charles was someone who knew how to draw a crowd. He was an entertainer. He, He would have been a great preacher. And when he was there, this whole crowd had come from all over the world. In fact, the Duke of Cambridge also came 
to watch. It is sailed across the ocean just to watch Charles Blunden walk across the Niagara Falls on a, on, a, on a length of wire. And Charles loved performing. So he hopped up in front of the crowd and he would call out, who thinks I can do a handstand on the wire in the middle of the Niagara Falls? And the crowd would respond, we believe you can. And he walked out, he would do it. He'd come back and say, who believes I can walk backwards on the tightrope? And they would be like, we believe, I believe, you, you can do it. And, and he would go and he would do it. And then eventually he, he got to this really interesting moment where he thought he'd have a bit of fun with the Duke of Cambridge. He goes up to the Duke of Cambridge and says, ah, your Royal Highness, do you think I can push a wheelbarrow across the tightrope without falling? And the Duke of Cambridge was filled with belief. He's like, yes, I believe you can. So Charles Blunden smirked and he said, would you hop in the wheelbarrow? The Duke of Cambridge's face fell pale. Suddenly, he didn't say, I believe. He said, oh, no, 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 not me. I'm not hopping in the wheelbarrow. Charles Blunden turned around to the crowd and he says, do you believe I can wheel the wheelbarrow across? And the crowd's like, yes, we believe. He says, cool, can I have someone to hop in the wheelbarrow, please? Silence. This is such a beautiful picture of the difference between belief and faith. You see, what it means to have faith, friends, is not just to declare your belief. It is to act on what you believe. Everyone on the cliffs that day had belief, but no one had faith. And this, I think, is a, the problem of the church. We say, I'm a person of faith, but really what we mean is I'm a person of belief. You see, belief is when we have a cognitive agreeance with an idea. I cognitively agree that God is real, but that's not faith. Faith is belief in action. French faith simply is hopping in the wheelbarrow. It doesn't matter how much people believed Charles could push the wheelbarrow across the tightrope until they hopped in the wheelbarrow, it meant nothing. And, and here's where this gets really down to the point, friends. So often when it comes to belief in God, it's someone else's job to show faith. Oh, that's Pastor Mike's job. No, that's no, the worship leader's job. Oh, no, no, other people pray. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, I believe in God, sure, but you know, I don't do any of the weird stuff. No, friends, that means you do not have faith. Faith is belief in action. Are you ready to hop in the wheelbarrow today? And the story that unpacks is beautifully in the Bible. One of my favorite stories is in Mark chapter 2. The story is of five men who displayed such a beautiful faith. In the book of Mark, we read in Mark chapter 1 that Jesus starts his ministry and he's already started to heal people. He's, he's already delivered a demon, a boy from a demon. He's, the, he's healed someone of their leprosy. And Mark chapter 2 opens up and Jesus' fame has spread before him, just like Charles Blondin. People gathered all around. In fact, the Bible tells us that so many people came to see Jesus that they packed out a room. They had rocked up to online church and it was so full that they could, the servers couldn't cope with any more people. But five men, where others saw an obstacle, decided to make a way. And we read in Mark chapter 2, verse 3, some men came bringing to him, Jesus, a paralyzed man, 
carried by the four of them. Since they could not get to him, get to him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Many of us have heard this story before. Maybe this is the first time. This is a story of the four men and the paralyzed guy. Now, when I was young, what's interesting about this story is I grew up being told that this story was about the four friends of the paralyzed man. Did you notice how nowhere in the scripture does it indicate relationship between the four men and the paralyzed? It, it, it indicates no, no relationship. Now, they might have been friends. They also might not have been. All we know is four men at some stage come across one man with a paralyzed and they've heard about Jesus. They've heard that this is the man who makes the impossible possible, who delivers demons from people's bodies, who heals leprosy. And suddenly they have the imagination idea of what would happen if we bring the impossible situation of the paralyzed man to the one who does impossible things. Now, it doesn't say they do this because of their friendship with the man, their love of the man, anything. But what is clear is they've heard of who Jesus is. And so they pick up this paralyzed man. And we don't even know if the paralyzed man wanted this to happen. I mean, what's he going to do? If he didn't want to be there, how is he going to stop them? He can't. So his decision's kind of been taken out of it. And so these four men, their will is to bring him before Jesus. And, and they knew this one thing when they get to the door. They're on the outside and Jesus is on the inside. Now, when they get there, right, they're 50 people deep. The Bible tells us that it's packed even to outside the door. They're like, oh, well, damn it, we tried. We tried to get in, but uh, listen, we, we can't make it through the crowd. Ah, oh, the pastor's too busy. Ah, oh, you know, it's too late to pray. Ah, oh, no, you know, they probably wouldn't say yes to an invite to church anyway, right? These obstacles come up and it justifies how we take a step back from faith and rather take a step in. Now, these four men don't do anything but go, okay, so that way's no longer there. And what, what does the Bible say happens next? They lowered him down through the roof. Now we read that and, and the passage is too brief to actually fully understand. This is the roof up on top of that building would have been hardened clay. We sometimes like, oh, they went up to the roof. They found a skylight, knocked it open and then lowered him down. Friends, more than likely, this would have taken 20 to 30 minutes to actually achieve. So let me paint this picture for you. It's your first uh, Sunday back at Encounter and Pastor Mike or Pastor Jenny is preaching. And as, as they're preaching, suddenly you hear footsteps on the roof of, of the auditorium. And you're like, that's weird. Why is there footsteps on the roof? You all look at one another and, and you're like, um, maybe someone should do something about the footsteps on the roof. And you're like, oh, maybe it's okay. Maybe someone's just up there fixing stuff and keep going. The next thing is that you start to hear these, these drill sound, this you're like, well, someone's unscrewing the roof. And at this point, everyone is looking at the roof going, what the heck is going on there? Pastor Mark and Pastor Jenny are like, oh, I've got, to, I've got to preach better. So they start getting more animated and entertaining, but it becomes clear after a while, no matter how good the sermon is, there's something happening and everyone's looking at the roof. So everyone's looking and suddenly a hand pops through and peels back one panel and then another panel. And these four sets of eyes start to look over. And it's been 15, 20 minutes by now. Clearly, someone's probably been sent up 
up to tell them to stop. There's probably been some kerfuffle discussion on, hey, how do we how do we not how do we honor Pastor Michael and Pastor Jenny here and make sure these guys don't interrupt? Then the weirdest thing of all happens. The four sets of eyes disappear. And what appears? A mat. And this mat starts to come swaying down. Everyone's like, what the heck is going on? And then suddenly it lands right in front of Pastor Mike and Pastor Jenny. Just think through what that would have meant. Think through the awkwardness of that moment. These guys interrupted Jesus' preaching and teaching. They broke through social norms. Like, can you just think through what it meant for these guys to do what they did? Not only did they make an embarrassing moment for themselves, but then they interrupted social norms and they destroyed someone's property. Maybe you're like, oh, this is ancient Jerusalem, you know, or ancient Israel. You know, people probably were breaking each other's property back then. You know, that's probably part of their culture. I mean, number one, um, I really don't think that's a fair understanding of history. And number two, nowhere in the world, uh, as to my understanding, is it culturally appropriate to destroy someone's house. So they break through cultural norms, they, they interrupt, they damage someone's pos- property, they're probably scared, witless, that this isn't going to work. And finally, friends, it probably was really awkward. 20 minutes of having people looking at you wondering what the heck are you doing? Can you, can you not see we're in the middle of something here? It would be awkward. But here's what I've started to learn about how God moves is that so often in Christianity, we are so afraid of awkwardness. And in my experience, sometimes the move of God lies on the other side of awkwardness. We have to embrace what is awkward because God's not always going to fit in what's socially and culturally appropriate in a moment. Sometimes he mixes it up because we need to have our faith stirred in a way which isn't socially or culturally normative, but is supernaturally transformative. They interrupt it. They damage the property. They push in. They make things awkward. And what happens next is a game changer. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Five words. Son, your sins are forgiven. Why did Jesus say this? Well, when I think about it, I can't understand. If someone had interrupted my sermon, I probably would say the same. Hey man, your sins are forgiven. Don't interrupt me again. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you stuffed up, but grace is enough. That kind of stuff. But Jesus isn't talking about the moment. No, no, no. Jesus is talking about it something far bigger. Now, people probably were confused about this, right? They're like, Jesus, um, <clears throat> I don't know if you can see this, but he's paralyzed. Like, that's, that, that's the need here. What's Jesus doing? Jesus looks at his temporary need and fix his eternal need. Why? Because friends, the greatest thing Jesus can do for any person is not just to heal their temporary situation, but to alter their eternal direction. (coughs) Let me explain. If Jesus was to only heal this man's physical problem, here's the truth. In a year's time, a couple years time, his body would have failed him again. Because 
healing is temporary this side of eternity. But Jesus does the greatest miracle he could do for anyone. And you've got to hear me, friends. The greatest miracle that your faith can achieve is not physical healing, is not just temporary altering of a situation. The greatest thing, the greatest miracle our faith can achieve and that God performs throughout history is the miracle of salvation. You've got to believe that, friends. That Jesus here does the greatest impossibility. It does not say in the Bible what is impossible for man is possible for God. And this is a direct correlation to God's ability to save and heal and forgive. Friends, the greatest thing God can do for anyone is to forgive. The greatest thing your faith can do for anyone is to bring them to the faith of its feet of Jesus that he might forgive, he might save, he might redeem. And faith is central to this. And we've got to recognize and understand this, friends, that there is a world out there who needs a people who recognize the gift of faith is not just for my internal belief in salvation, but that I might believe that others might be saved. This is central to the story and the narrative of the gospel. God's chief desire is that all men would be redeemed from their past and set free into the promise of their future. And I want to ask two questions. Who are you believing for right now? By faith needs to be redeemed and restored and forgiven in Jesus Christ. And secondly, friends, have you by faith been forgiven, redeemed and restored into saving relationship with Jesus? More than your financial situation, your physical situation, your sp- the greatest thing Jesus can do for you is change your eternal direction, is to forgive you of your sins. And that is achieved by faith. It says in the Bible that is grace through faith by which we are saved. Do you know that Jesus Christ not only wants to forgive your sins, but the sins of those in your world right now, that they might be set free? Jesus responds, Jesus acts, Jesus steps in. I love this part of the story. By five words, Jesus changes his eternal destiny. He does go on to heal his physical problem, friends. But what's more miraculous isn't that a a lame man walked out walking? No, the, the amazing thing is that a sinner walked out free. And that can be yours today. why why does Jesus say these five words because of another five words Jesus saw their faith I mean that's four (laughs) let me add the fifth when Jesus saw their faith when Jesus saw their faith this is such an important line verse five when Jesus saw their faith what was it that Jesus saw what was it that Jesus saw Jesus, friends, saw faith. And faith is belief in action. He didn't just look at a bunch of men standing on a roof, twiddling their thumbs, going, I believe Jesus. I believe Jesus can heal. Yeah, sure. I believe Jesus can forgive. Yeah, sure. That's what I believe. No, he saw a group of men who said, we believe this so much. We have to do something about it. Because if we can just get this man to the feet of Jesus, everything shifts. He saw faith. He saw belief in action he saw a hole in a roof he saw a mat on the ground and ropes and four expectant set of eyes saying we know you can do this what did they know 
They'd known that when Jesus is connected with impossible situations, impossible things are made possible. They'd heard about the character of this man, that he healed the sick, he touched the lepers, he drove out the demons. They knew it didn't matter how, they just had to get him to the feet of Jesus because they'd heard that this man loved and cared deeply enough to respond. Friends, we've got faith all wrong. Growing up, I thought faith was a little bit like I don't know if you've seen Star Wars or, or maybe the greatest Star Wars film of all time, The Empire Strikes Back. Can I get an amen from someone out there who knows what they're talking about? And there's this moment in The Empire Strikes Back where this character Yoda is training Luke to use the force. And he says, Luke says, you know, I can't do it. And Yoda says, do or do not. There is no try. And it's like, I, I thought that that's what faith was. That faith was just dependent on me trying, but also doing. So I remember when I was young, I would just be there, be like, you know, do or do not, there is no try. And so you worship, I'd be like, Jesus, I have faith. And I looked more constipated than I did faith-filled because I thought I had to churn something up inside of me. But that is internal belief. Belief, friends, is not enough. Faith is belief in action. It's so simple. Mike Pilavachi says it like this, that faith is really two things. It's trusting in God's character and stepping out because of that trust. See, what these guys did is they trusted in the character of Jesus enough to step out and know that he wouldn't reject, he wouldn't wouldn't condemn, he would respond. This is faith. This is what Jesus saw. They trusted what they'd heard about Jesus and they acted accordingly. Jesus saw a determined reliance in the eyes of those four men who chose to believe in the character of God. See, the reason why so many of us struggle to live lives of active faith is because we are focused on the consequences of what man is going to do rather than on the character of God. But faith is when we act in a way which is more dependent on the character of God than the limitations of man. Friends, if you're struggling to put your belief in action, meditate, think, pray on the character of God. It is the thing which will stimulate you to act in trust of the character of God. Do you know the character because here's the truth of the story, friends. That when we're, when we're in this moment of doubt, what we're doubting is our ability. That God is not going to be respond to our weakness and our ability. But friends, it's not about the size of your faith, but the strength of the one your faith is in. Do you know the character of God? It shifts everything. You know, Charles Bundon, that story, he stands on the edge of the cliffs at Niagara Falls and he says, who will hop in the wheelbarrow? And no one puts up their hand except one old lady. And this old lady walks out from the crowd, hops in the wheelbarrow, and Charles Bundon wheels her out across Niagara Falls and wheels her back. And everyone is wondering, who the heck is this old lady to trust this crazy guy? Who was the old lady? His mum. I love that. Why? Because his mum had known him. His mum had seen him. His mum knew that he was a man of character and integrity, that if he said he could do it, he would do it. And so she jumped in the wheelbarrow. Friends, faith is about hopping in the wheelbarrow, not about working out if it's going to fall or tip, but trusting in the one who is able. What faith means is that we need to become a wheelbarrow people. People who live their lives in the wheelbarrow of impossibility as we trust in the one who makes impossible things possible. 
So often the reason why we don't put faith in God is because we're not sure how the story ends. Is that not this season? We don't know what's going to happen with coronavirus. We don't know when the economy is going to open back up. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And we think that faith means you know what happens. You know how the story ends. Friends, faith isn't knowing how the story ends. Faith is trusting the one who holds the pen. Faith isn't knowing how the story ends. Faith is trusting the one who holds the pen. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not yet see. Faith isn't knowing what God's going to do. It's trusting what God's going to do because of who God is. Some of you are like, how do I know who God is? Friends, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, as it says in the book of Romans. And that's why we read the Word of God, so we can trust the character of God revealed throughout history, so we know what He's going to do now in our time. That's why we lather ourselves with the Bible, friends. We read it daily that we might be a people of faith. It's not knowing how the story ends. And if you read through Hebrews 11, which is one of the great chapters in the Bible on faith, you will realize most of the people in that chapter had faith, not because they knew how it ended. They just trusted the one who holds the pen. I mean, here's Abraham in, in Hebrews 11, verse 8, just wandering around. And then suddenly God steps in and it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as inheritance. He obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Hebrews 11 verse 8, what does it say at the end? Even though he did not know where he was going. Even though he did not know what God was going to do, he trusted God to do what was best. So he launched out on a journey of faith, not because he knew how the story ended, because he trusted the one who held the pen, friends. We've got to be a people of faith. Friends, the Bible's so clear. Faith is not an internal activity. That's belief. We need to stop being a people of belief and move into being people of faith. James says this in chapter 2, verse 18 to 19. But some of you will say, well, you know, you have faith, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. What's he saying here? Belief isn't enough. The devil believes God's real. The devil believes the Bible's truer than you do. The devil believes that God is more able than you are aware of because he's seen God move throughout history. What's the difference between us and the devil? What's the difference between my belief and the devil's belief? My belief is translated into actions of trust in God. I have faith that is activated. Faith is an action. Faith is a doing word. Faith is a verb. And so let me tell you briefly my quick story of faith. A couple years ago, um, two years ago, I started a journey just like Mike. I jumped in the wheelbarrow of church planting. And friends, I jumped in the wheelbarrow of church planting not knowing what God's going to do. But I can tell you this, over the last two years, the only reason why this has worked is because my God is faithful. He is good. He is enough. But every day I live scared that this thing could fail and the wheelbarrow could tip, that I would get this wrong. I took a step and planted a church in the heart of Brisbane City and every day when we step out and we continue to be a part of the church planting encounter Adelaide we continue to invite our friends we continue to pray for our friends we continue to love those God has called us to love we continue to put our belief into action and, and, and live out our faith friends we are putting our trust in the God who holds the pen of history writing a beautiful story Who? what is your faith in right now? what is the wheelbarrow that God is asking you to sit in in this moment? For there are paralyzed men needing to be healed and forgiven. 
There are paralyzed women needing to be healed and forgiven in your world right now. We must become a people of faith. So what's your wheelbarrow? Some of you, the wheelbarrow you need to hop in right now in this moment is the wheelbarrow where God's saying, will you trust me with your salvation? And right now, if you have not experienced the forgiving power of Jesus Christ, if you have not repented of what you have done and walked into the promise of who God has called you to be, then I'll let you know this. The Bible says that it's by grace through faith that we are saved. And all that means is this, that when you come to God and you say, Jesus, I am not good enough. I've failed. I've stuffed up. Forgive me of my sins. Lead me to follow you. That is an act of faith that God responds with the act of forgiveness and purification of sins. I just want to ask, have you had that happen in your life today? That Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart right now saying, come place your faith in me. Not because you know how the story ends, but trust me to write a better story than you could on your own. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.